Thank you for listening to Life Church Lithia. At Life Church, you belong before you believe. Check out this incredible life-changing message from our guest speakers, Ken and Lisa Henderson. And so today, as my pastor comes, Pastor Lisa, I just know that she carries such a hunger for God. She's challenged me. I mess with her all the time, but I love her to death. She's incredible. And, I, and she's inspired me to hunger for the Lord in a deeper way and to just believe that he's faithful to speak to us every day. And so some of you will get words today. Some of you will get blasted today, but it's all good because it all points back to him. It's not about the experience. We want the experience, but the experience is him. <laughs> and so open up your heart for whatever he wants to do today because I know it's going to be awesome. Can you do that? Why don't you clap your hands as Pastor Lisa comes up? Amen. Thank you very much. The first thing I need to ask was, did you get that on camera? That he said he loved me. I just want to have that for later. So I can remind myself that he really does love me. You would have to know what a hard time he gives me. But it's all in fun and, and we're okay. I love them very much. And I want to open with saying thank you very much for supporting these um, revival services for having us, um, for supporting our children in this church. And last time we were here, we said God's going to do a great work here, um, a quick work, and we're seeing that actually happen. Stay out of my cough drops. They were a gift from Martha. So, Yes. Now, I think I did, but I will say again. So, Destiny and Gio, Destiny's our daughter. Gio is her husband. And um, <laughs> it's on. No, I love him and respect him. And I, if I searched, you know, I'm going to say this really quick. I, I don't, is there like a trap door going to open at 12 and we're going to, oh, okay. Well, I'll be, I'll stand down there. Anyway. Uh, y'all are not going to try to rush out of here to beat the Baptists to lunch, right? It's not, right? That's not one of those kind of churches, is it? I don't think so. That's not how we raised them. If they're teaching you guys that, we'll have a talk with them later. So Destiny was in Master's Commission program um, in Jacksonville. And, you know, it's a, a ministry program. And I remember I went to one of the services. They were having a special service. And I walked Past, I don't know why I went past the altar, but Gio, Pastor Gio was in the altar weeping, just weeping. And I just, it gripped my heart, and I thought, now there's a young man I could give my daughter to. And it worked out, and we have been so blessed. <laughs> we have been so blessed to have him. And on top of that, we have our other son, Covington, here, is here, and his beautiful wife, Kelly. The ladies were teasing yesterday. They were like, uh, so Des Destiny and Tiffany are your actual biological daughters. And I know it's because I look so young that there's no way. <laughs> and I said, no, they, Covington is our only biological child. The rest of them are adopted. And then we have Anthony and Mindy here who are also um, part of our household. All of these children have raised, uh, raised, raised us. All of these children have, they did, they did a wonderful job too. 
All these children in the back have lived with us. Mindy is actually our niece. And so this is a family thing. So actually, our family shifted and came over here. Um, I'm trying not to resent you guys for that. I'm kidding. I was thinking what a wonderful thing God has done. As hard as it was for us to let them go, I'm watching what God is doing in them and in this church and realizing when God prunes, guys, it's hard. He prunes the vine so that it can, there can be growth to what he prunes and what's left. Much growth, much fruit. And it ripped my heart out. But I look and see the fruit of what God is doing in this place where revival is coming. Do not take lightly what God is doing among you. This is not common. It is not ordinary. But it is a move of God from leadership who hungers after God and are following God with all of their hearts. And I just want to tell you, for most of you, this is, I said this to some of the ladies yesterday, I want to repeat this before I bring my husband up. This is a new season. I know for many of you, this is a new church, a new place, a new pastor, a new ministry. And I want to encourage you that this is a new season. Do not judge this season by your last season. Do not judge this ministry by your last ministry. Do not judge this preacher and preachers that are coming into this place by other preachers and and other churches. This is a new season. God is saying, behold, I am doing a new thing. And if you keep looking to the past and past hurts, you're going to miss the new thing. You're going to miss the burning bush that God is doing right here. So you have to put aside preconceived notions, past hurts, church hurts, other things that happen that are ugly in other seasons, and say, this is a new day. This is a new season. I'm embracing it and moving forward. Amen. All right. For the, all right. I'm going to get off my soapbox, but that's a, seriously, that's a prophetic word I wanted to release this morning over you guys. We believe we're talking with our pastors, Kent and Cindy, that we're moving into an age that, that we do need right now a great awakening in America. We need revival. We are revivalist. People say you're evangelists. Not really. We're revivalists. We go on the streets and evangelize, but we're, we work more as apostle, prophet, revivalist. But we need, I love what Cindy said, we agree, we need generals of revival. General revivalists, revivalists who are generals to make a movement. Come on, somebody. That will sweep. And I believe God is rise, raising up some generals of revival. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk to you this morning about the glory of God, and I'm going to bring up Pastor Ken in just a moment. I just want to give you a brief background how this message came to me. Now, Gio, Pastor Gio, I'm sorry. I don't mean to disrespect. If I say Gio, he's my son, so I'm, I have to get used to saying Pastor Gio. So no disrespect. Don't be upset with me if I slip. Right. So Pastor Gio was teasing me this morning because I sent him my scriptures, and I sent it in a PowerPoint. And he said that's kind of like sending him, you know, notes in crayon. But, um, you know, an old, you remember the old, uh, what was that called that we used to put sports up on the wall? Do you remember those days? Transparencies. It's not quite that bad, but that's what he said last night. So this is an old message, dude. Like before ProPresenter. Like when I started this message, we didn't have PowerPoint, Okay. So you say, what? You're doing a a used message. I'm doing a message that's for the church that I believe God is bringing back. In 1996, we were um, evangelists. We were traveling the state, and we got a call for me to come into a women's conference. 
I was known for doing spiritual warfare. I still teach on spiritual warfare and, and warring. Um, and so they called us and said, could you come down and teach our women? It was the biggest symbol of God in Miami on spiritual warfare. We, are, we have a lot of warfare going on. We need you to come. I said, sure. And I'm preparing. And around that time, I got a, a letter from David Wilkerson. Anybody remember David Wilkerson? And, he, and he, in this letter, he talked about the glory of God. And I was reading this letter, and it completely wrecked me. Y'all know what I mean when I say that, right? I was a mess. I started trembling and crying just reading these words. And God said, I want you. It so spoke to me. He said, I want you to go down there, and I want you to speak on my glory. He said, I want you to tell them what those women, that if they will focus on my presence and my glory, that's the warring that they need. And I went down there, and I shared the message on the glory of God, and it looked like a bomb went off in the place. I mean, I remember when I first got up and told him I wasn't speaking on warfare. I could see the disappointment, and I even heard some of the, oh. But I said, just, just be patient. Let's, let's read about this. And so I spoke on the glory of God, and we've been taking this message. And I want to say this. I'm not saying this boastfully. I'm saying that God wants to set a burning bush in your life. And this morning is going to be a burning bush moment. We have never spoken on the glory of God that his presence didn't fall, ever. Something happens when you put your attention on him and his presence. So I'm going to ask my husband to come up right now, and he's going to kick off the message. Is it okay if we tag team again tonight, this morning? Good. Would you just honor him? Good morning. It's a dangerous thing to give a preacher a microphone. You never know what they're going to do. I may go off notes for a minute. Is that all right? Okay. They didn't come for to get out at 11. Amen. You don't start church at 1030 and expect to get out at 11 anyway. Amen. Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy. They do have those in Daytona. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 11. I know you won't have it back there, but I want to give it to you. This is a time, and, and it deals with Moses, and I, I need to set this up a little bit because Moses has been communicating with God, and he's going back and forth. And Moses was one of the most amazing men of God that ever existed. And he saw great signs and wonders and miracles and, and things. And remember, called down plagues and those kind of things. But it's because he had an encounter with God that was like none other. And today we want to hear about that. And then I want to take us to a New Testament scripture. And then I'm going to get into the word that Lisa has uh, written so many years ago. Then you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain. And the mountain burned with fire. In the midst of heaven, with darkness, there was a cloud and thick darkness, and the Lord spoke. And he spoke to you out of the midst of the fire, and you heard the sound of his words, but you didn't see a form. You only heard his voice. If you go down later, you're going to find out in in Exodus chapter 33, that God and Moses are having a dialogue because the children of Israel, when they heard the voice of the Lord, it scared them. And they said to Moses, you go speak to him, 
and let him talk to you. And then whatever he says to you, you come tell us and we'll listen to you. But that guy scares us. There's too many people that are treating God like a sugar daddy. The Bible says this, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord, which is respect for the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. I want to read one more verse and then I'm going to get into this other thing that that we're talking about, the glory of God. Acts 4, 31, and when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. This is my prayer today. My prayer today is that the glory of God comes into the room and shakes everything in here. The Bible said, one more time will I shake you. And everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But those things which cannot be shaken will remain. That's a powerful scripture. God wants us to get into his glory today. I'm persuaded that he really wants us to. Exodus chapter 33. And you'll, you'll find out if you go back and you read all of Exodus 33 that God and Moses are having this back and forth dialogue. And Moses is saying, how are these people going to know that you sent me? And he goes and he says one thing that I really liked. And he said, I'll go and I'll do what you've told me to do, but only if you go with me. If you don't go, I ain't going. Me and God have that same agreement. If God doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. Exodus 33, 17, so the Lord said to Moses, I will also do a thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace. Everybody say grace in my sight. Grace is more than what you think it is. Hmm. And I know you by name. In Exodus 13, Moses said, okay, if that's true, if I've found grace, if I'm with you, go back and read it, and you read it in the preceding verses. If I have favor with you, do this one more thing. And Moses said, please show me your glory. The glory of God is the kabod, which means the heavy weightiness. When you come into the room and the weightiness of the Lord comes in the room with you, it is different. It's not church as usual. It's not just a feeling it's not just the worship team as good as they do just just getting but there's a stillness you feel the quietness in here now it's because the glory of God is settling in and the glory of God is revealed by the angels we know that so that means that we're not here by ourselves because the angels of the Lord have come this way to reveal the glory of God to you hmm. Let me do some math for you, just so you'll know. I don't know how many people's in there, probably 60 or 70. If, we, if there's 60 in here and we use kingdom math, y'all know what kingdom math is? Kingdom math works different than anything else. One will put 1,000 to flight. Two will put 10,000 to flight. 
Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You take a drink of water with the Lord, and it becomes a river flowing out of you. This is kingdom math. So when we see Jesus on the cross, and you remember we talked about the angels that were there. He said, I could have called more than 12 legions of angels. 6,000 is a legion. And he's saying for each person that was there, each disciple that was there, there would have been 6,000. If we do the math in here, that means that there were 360,000 people and angels crying to the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Get the picture. It's not some small thing. But this morning when you were leading, you were not just leading people. You were leading the angels of the Lord. And and they're going to take us into the presence of God. And the weightiness... We've been in services. Floyd DeHaan preached a revival, well, not a revival, but camp meeting over at Waimama. Y'all know where Waimama's at? And he was there, and the glory of God came through, and it was so thick, and the presence of God was so thick that babies didn't even cry. People respected, and I, I, I don't know that I've seen anything quite like it, except maybe three or four times when we preached on this. Because the power of God is so real. And the glory of God is going to be in here so thick. I prophesied it the other night. I knew where we were going. And I know that God is going to honor us. But you need to know where Moses came from so that you could understand why he was bold enough to make such a request. Remember that Moses was raised in the house of Pharaoh by Pharaoh's daughter. So he was raised with protocol, but he was used to standing before power. And he was used to having his requests actually fulfilled because he was a son of Pharaoh. So when he's facing God, he's not intimidated like the rest of them, but he's curious. Where is this going? And, and, and he's on the backside of a desert tending the flock of his father-in-law in Midian. And he led the flock back to the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire. Come on, angel. Come on, angels. Appear unto us. You see, the Bible talks about us being baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. My wife, she she was coughing about 2 a.m. this morning, and I prayed for her. And I thought, Lord, we need to preach this message together, but if she's unable, I'm going to preach on the fire of God. And so I want you to see how important the fire is. It's in the midst of a bush. So he looked and he said, Behold, The bush is burning with fire, but the bush is not being consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside. See this great sight. Why is this bush burning but not being consumed? So when the Lord saw, he turned aside and looked. God called to him from the midst of the bush. Now we got two things. We got the angel of the Lord with the fire, but we got God himself. (laughs) I don't know if you get this or not. And somebody said, I think it was Destiny that said, the ground wasn't holy before, 
But the ground was holy because the one that the angels fly around day and night and say, holy, holy, holy was in the midst of the fire. Verse 5, then he said, do not draw near to me. The place that you stand is holy. So take off your sandals. So today, I'm going to ask you to be weird. Take off your shoes. I don't care. Lisa's going to explain, I believe, what the significance of taking off your shoe means in a little bit. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look upon God. He's on the backside of a desert. He's tending sheep. He's forgotten as far as the world's concerned. Matter of fact, he's hiding out because he's committed murder. God says, take off your shoes. Exodus 19, 16 says this. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning. Uh, that's you? Oh, man. Can I talk at all? Or am I done? When the power of God comes into the house, it is just different. We've had services. We were in Kent and Cindy Rogers Church in Lakeland. And as we were in there, am I getting in your stuff? Please let me say something. Or come up here and take over one of the two. When we were in that service and we began to, to just worship God in such a powerful way, several things happened. Number one, there was a hush that came into the room. Number two, there was a reverence that came into the room. And number three, there was a cloud that came into the room. And it got very thick. And it reminded me because when, when God was on Mount Sinai, he was in the cloud, in the fire. And when the cloud comes in, you can know that he's in there. You better come up. I don't know what else to do because I'm, I'm afraid every story I'm going to tell is going to be one you were going to tell. Is it all right if I give it over to her? Yeah. All right. Okay. I guess I'm going to preach uh, bare feet. We usually do it at the end of service, but that's cool. It's all right. So as Pastor was saying, Moses is on the backside of the desert. He's hiding. He is a murderer. So, don't, so you can't discount yourself and say, I, God can't use me because, all right? He's been there for 40 years already. So for those who are waiting for healing, as Pastor said last night, you're waiting for your miracle. You're waiting for when is it my time. Moses waited for 40 years. And suddenly he's on the backside of the desert and he sees the burning bush. And it's not as... as um, Cove was saying this morning, there was nothing amazing about the bush burning. They ha that happens all the time in the desert. They just catch fire. What was miraculous about this bush was that it was not consumed. It didn't burn up. And Moses turns aside 
And that's what God's waiting for some of us to do, to see the bush and stop and pay attention and turn aside and say, what is this? What is it that you're trying to say to me, God? And God tells him, don't come up because it's holy. Take off your shoes. Now, you have to understand Jewish protocol. But they didn't have necessarily have contracts like we do today. And and when, when they made an agreement, there was something that happened. They would go down to the city gate. That's where agreements were made. And say they're going to buy a piece of land. And if, if Cuff makes an agreement with Pastor Ken to buy a piece of land, whatever the agreement they come upon, Cuff would take off his shoe and say, I agree to your terms. Are you getting this? So when Moses took off his shoes, he was saying, I agree to your terms. I submit. I surrender. That's why Pastor Ken had you take your shoes off this morning, because we want you to be in a a heart posture this morning of surrender. Amen? Are y'all with me this morning? Okay, good. So we're going to go to Exodus 19, 16, and and these stories, and and he shared with you a little bit about Lakeland, and I'll talk maybe briefly about that, and who knows, he may get excited and jump back up here, and and that's okay to share some stories, or maybe some I've actually forgotten that he thinks of. But mostly this morning, I'm going to give you scripture. Is that okay? I want to build an expectancy. See, this, you say, how does this have to do with that? This is Old Testament. As Pastor already said, Moses is probably one of the most incredible men in the Bible. He's one of my favorites because of his relationship with God. God said that there was none on earth as humble. Did you know that? As Moses. God said this. Did you, when he read that part earlier, he said, I know your name. God knows your name this morning. But there's so many things that if you read in the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy, that God says that he, or the word says that he talked to Moses as a friend. That's pretty powerful, guys. But Exodus 19, 16 says, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, And the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Now, people have a problem with charismatic people and Pentecostals because why are they shaking like that? I don't understand them shaking. Look, do you see this in your Bible? That when the presence of God just came on the mountain, that the people begin to tremble in the presence of God. And people act like we're doing something weird because the presence of God comes in. Doesn't the word of God tell us that at the presence of God that the very mountains quake and the hills melt like wax? And we think it's some kind of phenomenon when people fall down. Why are people falling down? Because they can't stand in the presence of God. If a mountain will quake, what is this human body going to do? Amen. Are y'all with me? So the mountains and the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. Are you here this morning to meet with God? And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. 
And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Now imagine that if you will. You're, you're, you're gathered around the mountain. Smoke comes down. The mountain catches on fire. You're shaking in your boots. And then the voice of God comes out of the mountain and speaks. Then the Lord came down. <laughs> well, that was just the fire, the smoke, and his voice. No wonder they were freaked out. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. God is calling us to come up. He's still calling his people to come up. That's what all this is about. Come meet with me. Come commune with me. Come talk with me like a friend. Come sit in my presence. Come experience my fire. Come experience my glory. I want a relationship. It's all about running a relationship with you. I want to spend time with you. I want you to get to know my holiness. I'm not a far off God. Know what Jesus said? And the Bible said he's not some high priest that's not touched by our infirmities, but he is touched by us. Come sit a while and talk with me. When we were in Lakeland Highlands, we were having a revival. They'd been going through intense warfare. Same, that was the same time, wasn't it? Intense warfare. And they called us in to do a revival. And we were preaching that night and literally... It got just heavy. Like you, we felt it when the whole atmosphere shift. It, there's there's that there's a place of, of praise. There's a place of worship, and then there's there's a shifting of glory. It's it's totally coming into his gates, into his court, and then into the holy of holies. That's the difference. So often in churches, we see them, they never leave the atmosphere of, of the outer court. Some make it from the outer court, and you see them, they move into the inner court. But most never make it into the Holy of Holies. When you're there, it's, it's totally different. Now, I'm a crier. When the presence of God comes, you know, so I have to go get tissues, I just start crying. I can't help myself. It just breaks me. I'm, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm not, you know, I'm not crying because I'm, I'm, you know, sinful. I'm, I mean, I sin, but you know what I mean. I'm crying because his presence wrecks me. We have chased God our entire ministry. When God called us into ministry, this was our agreement. We'll go if you go. Send us to places that are hungry, and we don't want status quo. And if it's just going to be the same old, same old, and just going from church to church, and we're not going to experience your glory, because we read this, then don't send us at all. Because I don't want church as usual. I don't want another set of services. Oh, that was good. A few hallelujahs. Okay, let's go. We'll see you again next year. But I want to experience your presence. And that's what was happening that night in Lakeland. The the room just shifted, like he talked about with Floyd Lahan. No kids stopped moving. No babies cried. Everybody just 
I mean, a hush fell in the place, and you could have heard a pin drop. People were scared to move. A reverence. That's what we've lost in the house of God. Look, I don't, I don't think I'm not coming to you from a religious standpoint, saying, oh, it's got to be like this. Uh, we wear shorts at our church. To pre- our, my son may have preached in shorts this morning. I don't know. Our worship team, we're on an island. We're relaxed. But it's a, it's a heart posture of reverence toward God. And you felt that shift when everybody recognized that, whoa, God's in the house. An awareness. And we're standing up on stage, and literally a cloud began to move from the back of the building to the front. And a hush was in the place, and it settled across the front of the room. And I remember saying, almost from, a, from almost whispering into the mic, the glory of God is here. The glory of God is here. If you want to experience His glory, reverently get up out of your seat and move toward the front of the building. People stood up, and they... He can testify. They, 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 hit, they couldn't even walk. They stood up, got out of their seat, and moved to the cloud, and they were crawling to get there. I saw people army crawling, literally. And when they get into that area where the cloud was, wailing, deep belly, gut-wrenching wails filled the room. People began to shake violently, tears streaming. That's what I'm talking about. We cross over from that place of, oh, we're worshiping, we're worshiping to, whoa. He didn't have to come. See, he does when you worship. He comes. He said, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But something has got to happen that when the bush is burning, we turn aside. Like it's here. What is our response? What in us changes that we say, oh, wow, something's different. Do we keep having church as usual? Do we move to the next song? Do we, oh, we got to get out. It's 12. Let's run to the restaurant. Or do we turn aside and see what God is doing? In the back of the room that day, there was four people. They were seated. Their, Their pews are almost against the wall. Chairs, I think they were pews then. They were sitting rigidly. They did not move a muscle. And everybody in the church was down in the front. And I remember looking at them thinking, what in the world is wrong with these people? How can they sit? And I got a little upset. Not to, you know, I didn't say anything to them, but I'm thinking, what in the world, man? The next day, I didn't know because I was the, we were guests. They were guests. I didn't know that. They called the pastor, called Cindy. They said, "Um, we just want to tell you that we've never been in a service like last night. Ever. I think they said they were Baptists. They were non-Pentecostal. They said, electricity was riveting through our body, and we were unable to move. All we could do was vibrate. And the Lord said, don't you ever judge again on the outside what I'm doing on the inside. You don't know. You don't know if it's somebody's first time. You don't know 
if they're unable to move. You don't know if they're so overcome, overwhelmed that they don't. Who, you don't judge if they're rolling in the floor, if they're laughing, if they're army crawling, if they're hanging from the ceiling. You don't judge. You just let them do whatever it is they're going to do in the presence of God. Amen. So we're in Homosassa, Florida. We're doing that six-week revival. Same revival that the girl got healed from the, the spider bite, right? Power of God's falling. And that night we were on stage. We were leading worship. And the power of God fell. I don't know how we ended up on the floor. But we did. We were on the floor um, just slain and um, laying there. And I remember just crying out to God for his glory and his presence. And I felt like somebody had brought a blanket. And just a hot blanket like they have in the hospital. I don't know if you've ever had surgery and they bring you those nice warm blankets. And laid over me from the waist down. And then suddenly I couldn't feel me from the waist down. And I could not move. And the glory of God was all around me. And I was just like completely incapacitated in his presence. That's the kind of stuff I hunger for. I've seen my husband come at Garden City. I don't know if Destiny will remember this. Come to the pulpit. The presence of God, our worship was, was incredible. Walk to the pulpit and open his mouth to speak and not be able to. And just start patting his chest. And I knew what was going on because was it Ezekiel or was it Ezekiel that couldn't speak? Zechariah. Well, Zechariah couldn't speak. That was another prophet that God put his hand literally on his chest and because of the heavy presence of God, he was unable to speak. And you could literally see him getting like he, was, like he was as red as his shirt and unable to communicate because of the presence of God. What are these things? They're signs and wonders that are a, a result. Come on, it's an outward demonstration of what God is doing with his presence that he wants to do in his people this day and age. You say, well, how does that work with, with unsafe people? Because it's a sign to them that God is real. They're serving a living God who still interacts with his people today. David Hogan was in his service, and I may butcher this. Ken may have to help me. And I don't even know where they were, but he said it was a pastor's conference in Mexico. All the pastors, I don't know how many, do you remember how many were there? Probably 5,000 pastors gathered together for a pastor's conference. And they're all together um, in this building, and the glory of God comes in. And he said it was like literally a bomb went off. Like people were just being blown backwards, falling out in the spirit, just chaos, just, just like a bomb. But nobody could see anything, just the presence of God. Like he's dropping little grenades everywhere. He said, and all of a sudden, he said he come to, and the guy next to him was like, how did we get here? Several hours later, they're coming to. And the one guy next to him was going, how did we get here? David's like, you see it too? They, he said they were like in this palace, golden palace. He said, we're still laying on the floor, but we're looking around in this golden palace of these massive columns and jewels everywhere. And then all of a sudden the guy goes, and he's so big. He's so big. He's so awesome. Who's he talking about? King of kings and the Lord of lords. We don't serve a little tiny God. 
We don't serve the, the baby Jesus in the manger. Are y'all hearing me? We serve the one that comes riding on a white horse. And that, like Tyler saw the night, and he can handle it expertly. Come on, somebody. And that he's got the army of angels and the army of heaven behind him. And on his thigh is written, come on, the name. Come on. <laughs> we serve a great big God filled with power and awe and wonder that when he speaks lightning flashes and his voice sounds like many waters and it sounds like thunder is roaring as he speaks but we have diminished him to a little tiny God who's a sugar daddy come on we call on him for 911 or like he's Santa Claus but we're talking the creator of the universe and when he comes into the building and you have an awareness of who he is I love it people when when, when he came in in uh, Lakeland people were diving it was like I'm not kidding. All right, I remember Jason Rogers' army crawling to show him. Hands over his head, and he was crawling with his elbows, army crawling to get in the presence and going, oh, oh. And I was just like, I'm just, I'm a mess. And you say, you're so crazy. No, I, I just hunger for that. Because once you, oh, taste and see the Lord is good. What happens is it wrecks you for average church and normal. And it wrecks you that when you get into a worship and you go and you can't get past the outer court and people won't go on into the inner court. I get so frustrated in my spirit because I'm thinking, if we can just go a few more steps, come on, past the brazen altar, past the priest who sing your praise, right into the holy of holies. We're almost there. We're almost there. Just keep moving a little farther. There's a difference that happens. Remember one night we were in we were the Huggins in, um, where were they? Dunedin. Glory to God hit Pastor Ken. He's on the stage. Uh, he's supposed to speak. We're getting ready. To, I'm getting ready to walk off stage. We were doing worship. And he drops to his knees. And it, God was just moving on him. It almost looked, there was the old-fashioned pulpit, you know, with boxed in. It looked like he was trying to crawl into the, the pulpit. I mean, he but he couldn't go any farther. You ever seen one of those little cars, those remote control cars, and they run into the wall and they keep hitting the wall? That's like what, what looked like he was doing. I don't know, but the power of God was so heavy, it will make you do the, the craziest things. But you know what? You don't care. You don't care if you look like a fool. You don't care if you can't speak and you're just standing up there going, like, Sorry. Or I'm crawling into the pulpit. Or I'm laid out here and I can't talk. You've got some. Oh, my goodness. Hilliard. We're in Hilliard. And so we, we, we're. Hilliard is nowhere. You have to. You don't just go through there. You've got to be going on purpose. And it's because you're seeing family. Because there's nothing there. Little tiny church. We're just the inner pastors. And so we, we did a little revival service, and we invite our, our kids. And Cuff was there, and I think Anthony, and um, Gio, and Dusty. And I don't know if Mindy was there. And they invited some of their friends. <laughs> Big mistake. They're part of the Master's Commission. We brought out our sheet. We put it on the floor, and the glory of God fell. Now, I think we brought our sheet here before, but our sheet is something we've traveled with since back in the day when we were evangelists. 
And so we prayed over this sheet like he talked about anointing cloth last night. And it's like a big handkerchief. So we pray over it. And it's been anointed by thousands of people by now. And so after every revival, we'd use it during every revival. And after the revival, all the church would gather around and pray for the next group of people that were going to be on it and put more oil. It is so stained with oil and mascara, guys. It's a horrible mess. It's really ugly. I mean, you put it down and they're like, ooh. So we put that down. And I never will forget, after some of the guys went across, they, they were asking, I'll tell Desi this thing in a minute. Afterwards, they went to dinner with Desi and them, and they're like, okay, so tell us the truth. Your mom and dad smeared that sheet with Icy Hot, right? Icy Hot? Yeah, because I stepped on that sheet, and I got cold, then hot. And there was these sensations coming up my feet and legs, and I felt like I was standing in water. So what's up with that? So these kids are not familiar. Well, that night, Dusty got slain in the spirit and totally got glued to the sheet. She could move. Could you move your head? Her head was stuck, just stuck. And she's like, um, she can't move. Mom, mom, I can't move my head stuck, which that cracked me up. So I'm, I started just laughing hysterically and like, I'm sorry, baby, I can't help you. <laughs> You're just there. You're just there. So we were at Randy Clark's service about three years ago, um, Voice of the Apostles, and he did a transference of the anointing, and he prayed for the glory of God to fall. And I remember standing there, he had us hold our hands out, and all of a sudden my hands got heavy. And it felt like, the only way I can describe it, it felt like I was holding a, something square. I don't know, this sounds weird. But they were heavy, and then they started tingling. Like I was on a big piece of metal in each hand, but there was nothing there. And then electricity started shooting up my arms and down my body. And I just started vibrating, and then I just started weeping, and I couldn't stop. I'm like, what is that? And I realized, my husband's like, that's the kabod. The heavy weightiness of God that we don't often talk about in the church. Exodus 25, 22 says this. And there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy suite seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony. Now I'm doing that because you're going through Exodus. And he said, I'll meet with you there. I'm going to bring him up in a little bit. Between the cherubim. At the mercy seat, the ark of the testimony. When we meet with God and focus on Jesus, miracles are born. Angels are always present. When you begin to talk about Jesus and the mercy seat and the blood of Jesus, God meets us. And the angel of God are always present. And miracles are born. And they're born without us having to lay hands on people. I can't, tell, can't even count the services we've been in. That during worship, during the presence of God entering in, we begin to hear people cry out, I can see, I can hear, I can feel. Jesus healed me. We didn't touch him. Why? He doesn't need us to touch him. He does use us. But when his presence comes in and the focus is on Jesus, miracles happen. And it's an amazing, and he gets all the glory. 
He gets all the glory. That's going to be important in a few minutes, the mercy seat. So let's go to Exodus 33, 7. Moses took his tent and pinched, pitched, pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Let me stop here, and then y'all remind me to go on. We talked about God talking with Moses, but you have to read. If You guys got to read Exodus. There's an occasion where God calls Moses to come up, and he brings people with him. Did you know that? To the top of the mountain. You got to read this. They're up there for days, and they sit down and have dinner with God. Read it. I'm not telling you something that's not in there. What would it be like to sit down and have dinner with God? The Bible said this, that Moses talked with God face to face. And you're going to, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Bible says no man has seen God and lived. You're absolutely right. You're right. But wait, Moses talked to him face to face. Then he goes on to do other stuff. Is the Bible contradictory? No, I think two things are happening. No man has seen him in his entire fullness of his glory. But you cannot be in the presence of God and live. You will die to yourself. You cannot leave unchanged and live. He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. When you come into the presence of God in the fashion that that man of God did, he, I believe he did die. He died to Moses. He died to himself. He, you understand what I'm saying? It is not necessarily the physical body dying, but he died to his flesh. Are y'all, are y'all with me today? Because he sat down and had dinner with him. He took a company of men up there with him. And they had dinner with, read it, it's there. So all the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. Now let me stop here and say, if you're waiting till you get to the house of God to worship for them, to get you fired up and ready, you are missing it. Each man worshiped in his own home, at his own house, in his own tent door, coming to his gates with thanksgiving. When you pull up out here in your car, you should have worship music on, or you should be filled with praise and thanking God, so that when you come into his courts, you can enter with praise, so that it doesn't take but a minute to get you to enter into the holy of holies. Are you here? hearing me that they're not spending 45 minutes being your cheerleading team come on church let's worship come on church let's go come on let's praise him you walk in the door saying come on pastor let's go come on worship team let's go i'm ready i'm already geared up i've been worshiping in my own tent some people never worship till they get to the house of God. The other day, my husband put Bethel on in the kitchen while I was cooking. And I'm like, whoa, I started just getting wrecked. Listening to the word, I'm like, whoa, whoa, 
I'm just, I don't know if I'm going to be able to cook. And I sat down, didn't I? I sat down at the bar and I started crying while I'm eating. I'm like, whoa, the presence of God. You know what he told me the next day? I love when you worship me. I love when you're cooking eggs and you're worshiping me. I love when you're sweeping the floor and you're worshiping me. I love when you're mopping and you're worshiping me. It's a lifestyle. That's how Moses went where he was. He had a lifestyle that was dead to self and all about God. So the Lord spoke to Moses' face. Oh, there it is. How about that? So now you know I'm not lying. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. I hunger for that. I read this and I get all messed up because we're living in a better covenant. We're living this side of grace that says, I can now come boldly before the throne of God. Moses didn't have that. He was in the covenant of law. Come on, God gave him the law. I'm in the covenant of grace. If he could talk to God face to face in that covenant, what's keeping us in the new covenant covered by the blood of Jesus where I can come boldly in not my righteousness but the righteousness of Christ and approach the throne of grace? And hear the voice of God. And he speaks to him like a friend. And he would return to the camp. I love this section. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not leave the tabernacle. Oh, for the day that our youth say, they're not standing at the door and saying, Mom, Dad, come on. They're on their phone. But they're in the presence of God. And they're like, yeah, mom and dad, y'all going home. I'm going to stay with Jesus. Yeah, mom, dad, go get some lunch. It's all good. I'm just going to stay here. It's going to take an encounter with God like they had in a little, um, I don't know how big the church was, a medium-sized church. It wasn't a mega church here in Florida. I think it was in the Fort Myers area. And the the, the children's pastors got such a hunger for God, and, and the church wasn't really moving in that direction quite yet. And you know, the people will never go beyond what their leadership is. That's why I love what your pastors are doing here. They'll lead you to the presence of God. You will never outrun them. You'll have to follow as they go. When I say that corporately, but these little children's pastors said, I reckon what would happen if we just start letting the power of God move in our children's service. So they started laying hands on these little kids and prophesying, and little kids started getting slain in the spirit. They just started getting wrecked. Well, what something strange happened from that? Because these same kids attended the Christian school. And they were going to the Christian school. And they were so drunk in the spirit in the class and having little prayer meetings. And this was carrying over into the Christian schools that the, the kid would just kind of be sitting there. And the teacher, this is literally, they got this testified. They got this recorded on radio. The teacher would go over and say, hey, Johnny, poop. The teacher would fall out. And the Christian schools started getting wrecked. And so then the pastor starts going, oh, my God, we're on to something. You know, the, the kids can leave us. There's a bunch of little Joshua's. So the pastor said, you know what? He said, this morning, we're going to bring our kids in. We're going to bring our kids in and release them to pray for you adults. And, you know, some of them are a little stuffy. Okay. 
And the kids come marching in there. They begin to lay hands, and it looked like a bomb went off. Adults were flying backwards across the room, splattering, getting healed. Little kids were prophesying and laying hands and, and just doing the crazy signs and wonders of God. So then this got noised about, and so they had the pastor be on a talk show, radio talk show. And so he's, they recorded his voice, and he's there at the station, and he's, the, the sound waves are going out and he's talking. This has been documented that as he began to talk about the power of God that moved in his children and in his service, people began to pull off the road, weeping in the presence of God, touched by the power and glory of God in their cars, saying, oh God, touch me like that. Because Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, Christmas Magazine sent us to do an article for them. We've seen revivals because they sent us to a lot of revivals. Hey, go write about this. Go check this out. Baxley, Georgia. I don't know anybody familiar with that? Little tiny place in Georgia. Tiny. Methodist Church. Power of God hit their kids. They said, go write about this. Go check it out. See if it's legit. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was legit. Sit in the service and start worshiping. What was it? Maybe... 50, 100 kids just began to move out of their chairs. It was an old-fashioned Methodist church. You remember wooden, wooden seats and two, two stories. I think we were in the balcony watching. Power of God began to sweep during worship. These little babies, little guys to teenagers, just start moving. Nobody called them out of their seats down into the altar area. We got pictures of them. Tears streaming down their faces. They began to worship. Nobody said anything. Just worshiping from their heart. And it was wrecking the community. That's what revival looks like. I've got that picture somewhere. That one little girl. We captured on camera her worshiping. Two years later, she and her sister and her mom were killed in a car accident. Her dad wrote me and asked me for the picture. That's further down, so hang on to that. This leads, did you, did you guys see the tabernacle on the fire? Did they show that picture up there? Because that's what it looks like when the fire would settle over it. So what happened? It led that, that Moses became so bold is because he led the people out. He oversaw the building of the Ark of Covenant. So that moves us. It didn't stop there, but it moves us into Second Chronicles. Chapter 7, verse 1, which is one of my favorite, favorite scriptures. It says, when Solomon had finished praying. So you're thinking, oh, it stopped in Exodus. Oh, no, my friend. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord in the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement outside. 
and worshiped and praised the Lord and said, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. What would it be like for you if you pulled up to the church next Sunday morning and Pastor Gio and the Destiny and the worship team are outside on their faces and they're going, what, what are you doing, Pastor? We cannot go in there. The power of God is in there. The power of God is in there. And you begin to fall out on your face and begin to worship. What will happen to the cars passing by? Will they begin to pull off the road as the glory of God filters out into this community? Oh, for the day that we can't even enter. Tommy Tenney talks about that. They had services like that. He wrote um, God Chasers. And that moves us to the New Testament. I kind of want you to come up. So I'm, I want to quote Isaiah. 6-1, I don't have it. I, it's one of my favorite scriptures. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. You have to understand what that means. Back in this day, the more royal a king, the longer the train. The more victorious the king, the longer the train, because they, could, they would cut off the robes, the terrains of the robes from the other, and so it on to theirs. Now here's the king. In the year King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, am in the temple, which was massive, and I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. We serve a holy God. We serve a victorious God. And he said, I saw, he quoted this this last night, I saw the angels, and, and with two wings they did fly, and two they covered their eyes, and two they covered their feet, and they circled the throne of God, and they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah said this, he said, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. What are you saying? The Bible doesn't tell us that Isaiah was filled with sin. He's one of the greatest prophets of all time. But in the presence of a holy, righteous God, he said, Whoa, I'm undone. Burn me. Burn me. Take your coal. Purge me. And the angel took the coal from off the altar, and he touched his lips. And then he said, Who will go? And Isaiah said, send me. You see, there's things that happen because of the glory of God. And that carries over into the New Testament. Because you've got to hear this. Remember I talked about, God said, I will meet you. Where? Between the angels, the cherubim at the mercy seat. I want to read something to you in, in Exodus, the same chapter. And it's right after Moses says, please show me your glory. Verse 19 says this, he said, I will make my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Yeshua HaMashiach. <laughs> he was saying Jesus. Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus, the Messiah. But I need to read to you an encounter found in John chapter 20. 
Verse 6, it says, Then Simon Peter came following and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothing. This is right after Jesus has been resurrected. And the handkerchief had been around his head, was not lying with the clothes, but it was folded and placed aside. I don't have time to teach that today, but that's amazing. Then the other disciple who came to the, temp, to the tomb first went also in, and he saw and he believed. What did he see and believe? This is, this is incredible. What he saw was the folded napkin. Can I take two minutes on that? The folded napkin's important because if you understand Jewish tradition, if you come over to my house and you eat supper with me, the way that I know that you enjoyed the meal was not that you just wiped yourself down or you burped or whatever. Some people say that. That's not true. The way I know that you en enjoyed yourself and wanted to come back was you would fold your napkin in a particular fashion and you would lay it on your plate, which means I've enjoyed myself and I'm coming back. I don't think you got that because the napkin that Jesus folded was folded in the fashion that said, I have enjoyed myself and I'm coming back. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> For as yet, they did not know the scripture, but he already believed because of what he saw. Then the disciples went in, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, as she, and then she sto stooped down and looked into the tomb. And watch this. And saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and one at the foot. And they were cherubims. And they were facing one another. And the place in the middle was called the mercy seat. And it's where the blood of Jesus was placed on the mercy seat so that our sins could be forgiven. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to tell you today? God does nothing by accident. He does everything on purpose. And so when he said, I will meet you between the cherubims. So when we come to the mercy seat this morning, we're going to meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Yeshua HaMashiach. We're going to meet him between. We're going to see the glory of God come into the house this morning. Can I, can I share one story? We were, we were in a friend of ours' house. We're just crazy. Uh, Geo's, the, the church, the, the assembly of God that, that they went to where they did master's commission warned them about us. Said, don't go hang out with those people. They're weird. They'll, you'll be marked like they are. God marked me again. We were in his house, and we were just having praise and worship. Now, listen, it wasn't a band. It was canned music. We just hit play and started worshiping. There were people that were in Maine at the time that were watching by Skype. Anybody knows what Skype is, right? They're watching. They're worshiping on our end. They're in. We're worshiping on our end. They don't know technology. They're, they're, they just don't know it. They're ignorant to it. So what they saw was something amazing because over in the corner where where the corner of the room was, where there's no light, where there, I mean, it's just a corner. It's a dark. Two weeks before, our daughter Tiffany saw Jesus standing in that corner. They didn't know it. But they started going, hey, 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 there's something going on over in the corner. And so they said, there's a cloud that's swirling in the corner. 
And it's like there's a portal that's opened up. And we've got a picture of this where my wife walked over into the corner. First of all, I went over to the corner. I'm not demonstrative. Me and Pastor Gio are a lot alike. If I fall down in the floor, it's God that put me there. I ain't falling down for none of you. I'm not impressed when you do. It's not the falling down that that impresses me. It's when you get up and walk different. And we were there, and and I went over there, and and I, I just began to vibrate. And as I was vibrating, I turned as red, my wife said, as, as probably my shirt is. And I fell over on a couch that was not too... I, I did it on purpose because I knew I was going. So I, I extended myself and fell towards the couch. And I just fell out. I didn't know what happened. But my wife goes over in the corner. And there's a picture of this. And she's, she's over there and she sticks her hand up and it's inside the cloud. And in the cloud coming down was a dove. (laughs) And the glory of God came into the room. And it's amazing. And it's the same glory. It's the same glory that's going to fall in this room today. Would you get to your feet? I want to explain one last thing, but you got to hear this because I don't want you to think that's just Old Testament. He talked about the mercy seat. Then after that, we had the day of Pentecost. That's how we became Pentecostals. Do you remember that? Do you remember in the picture how the fire would hover over the tabernacle? But in the New Testament, he gave us an example of what the tabernacle is today when he told the disciples and they were feeding the 5,000. He said, break them up into 50s by 100s and feed them. But you understand that the tabernacle's dimension was, guess what? 50 by 100. So what was he saying? That was my tabernacle. But today, this is my tabernacle and I'm going to send my and it came, come on, like a rushing mighty wind and fire, cloven tongues of fire, the fire that shot down over the tabernacle, broke up into a bunch of pieces and baptized all of them with their glory, with his glory. Yeshua, show us your goodness.